0: Your are live, Neil. Go.
1: I missed the balloons. You missed balloons? They were fun two weeks. Yeah. Why can't we have more balloons?
0: It was, you know. You should be the balloon you want to see in the world. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm thinking about it, yeah. I've got clown shoes. Just need a balloon outfit. Uh, the clown outfit. Mm-hmm. Lots of balloons. And then the US Air Force can shoot them all down. Yeah. And, so, know.
0: just on, on that topic, like, it's, uh... I think... Those were just, those four,
1: it, other four. It did end there, right? Yes.
0: Uh, apparently, it was a bit of hysteria, you know. Everybody gets excited about balloons and starts talking about balloons. But those four that came after the original and best Chinese spy balloon, mm. the original, the, I think it's tra- trademark now, uh, it, it got so much attention that, it, that even, even the remains of it have come conscious. Got uh, kind of AI, you know. And it's now, it, you have to call it... Uh,
1: I didn't follow up. Did they, they, they got it out of the ocean, fished it out. Got it right, out, Yep. And of course. what? Talked to them. It's alive. It's it's the a, it
0: said, take me to your leader. <laughs> uh, and I said, no, nah, you don't. Signed, fine, fine. Yeah. Um, no, the ones after that, Alaska, Yukon, Canada, uh, over Montana, and then over Lake Huron, one of the Great Lakes, Supposedly, those were just actually weather balloons, uh, like pretty piddly little small weather weather balloons that they, in their kind of like hysteria, slash, hysteria, slash, probably more importantly, desire to rehabilitate their image of being weak because of the original Chinese balloon. Uh, they just shot down a bunch of uh normal weather balloons like and I'm talking about you know quite small little weather balloons and that's why you haven't heard anything about it it's why they've gone quiet on it and they haven't said anything specific or definitive about them because it would be a bit embarrassing if you produced uh you know small lump of latex um <laughs> you know to the world's press and say yes this is what we shot down like isn't that a weather balloon like the one of like the kinds that there are thousands that are released
1: across the Hang world on. every day let me stop you that's not what they have they have they said that that they were no no the, i'm saying that's what you're saying okay because you remember that the surrounding the four or three or four after the first one they were very They gave very strange descriptions one of, pilot
0: allegedly said it interfered with their sensors and blah blah blah, blah uh-huh. nonsense and, and the other one was don't know how it's remaining a loft blah 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 but nothing and came. To that
1: last one, Yukon, which happened while we were airing last Sunday, um, it's octagonal, octagonal this shape. Right. I mean, you can't mistake that from a spherical balloon. It was, um, Why would he say that? Octagonal,
0: you know? yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, yeah. So the the case the case is closed as far as the U.S. government because the, the final word on it this was Biden, away. and then there's been zero. Comment. It all went away. Do you want to listen to what Biden's wrap up of ra- ra- it was? Ra- wrap it up there. This is, this is Biden the, speaking, of course, from a teleprompter on behalf of the CIA, but whatever. The babbler in chief. <laughs> how long is it? This is three oh, hour. Hopefully it's just a minute. Three-hour discourse. On- no, it's just short, I think. The
2: incursion by China's high-altitude balloon. Our military, through the North American Aerospace Defense Command, so-called NOR- NORAD, Closely yes, scrutinized, uh,
0: so-called NORAD.
2: Uh, our airspace, including enhancing our radar to pick up more slow-moving objects above our country, mm. around the world. In mm. doing so, they attract three unidentified our around objects. around the world. What? One in Alaska, Canada, and over Lake Huron in the Midwest. They acted in accordance with established parameters for determining how to deal with unidentified aerial objects in U.S. airspace. At their recommendation, I gave the order to take down these three objects due to hazards to civilian commercial air traffic and because we could not rule out the surveillance risk of sensitive facilities. We acted in consultation with the Canadian government. I spoke personally with Prime Minister Trudeau and Can from Canada on Saturday. And just as critically, we acted out of an abundance of caution and an opportunity that allowed us to take down these these objects safely. Our military, and the Canadian military, are seeking to recover the debris so we can learn more about these three objects. Our intelligence community is still assessing all three incidences. They're reporting to me daily and will continue their urgent efforts to do so. And I will communicate that to the Congress. Yeah. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were. But nothing nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program right. or that they were surveillance vehicles from right. other any other country. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. What the fuck did
1: So he he kind of confirmed what you're saying. They're most likely weather balloons. And he leaves that to last Mm -hmm. after saying out of abundance, of course, we shot them down. Right. Nonsense. We're still figuring out our intelligence agents around them, but they think they're weather balloons.
0: That's just pure propaganda, pure pure propaganda exercise to make up for the short term, short lived uh, media frenzy over. America looks. I've never seen this country look so so weak, so incredibly weak, as a result of uh, of, of this Chinese spy balloon. Blah, but we talked about that last week, and what what was really going on with that? It was really a nothing burger as well. Um, but except that they wanted to build it up uh, into.
1: Uh, or you're thinking that they're thinking long term. This starts to set the road yeah. for a Chinese well, threat it, to our it country.
0: Just turned the screw on on rhetoric anti Chinese rhetoric. It yeah. that they had this it was super effective. Yeah. I mean more like, than effective because we people showed, don't
1: need much right. to get their anti China yeah genes cause going. because they've
0: been primed for it. Yeah, and we they um yeah it's it it was a like we like we talked about last week. They had there were multiple occasions uh, across the US. Not necessarily directly across the US, but in US or over US airspace, over US territory, and other countries. This kind of thing happens regularly enough with these larger, the actual spy balloons. We showed some pictures of them over Japan, over Taiwan. There were others over Australia and other countries around the world in the last X number of years, and no one ever made a big hoo-ha about except the market side to make a, a big hoo-ha about uh, this yeah. time. And I'm saying, I mean, they were exactly the same types of balloons. They were large uh, balloons with uh, kind of the the metal. You know the array underneath, whatever of solar panels, etc. So uh, there was no reason for them whatsoever to have that little piece of uh, Looney Looney Tunes uh, and, and work everybody upboard. But they did, and the only explanation, as far as I'm concerned, is to increase anti Chinese rhetoric and to make you know sour Chinese uh, American relations. And probably it was the CIA that was behind it, or that kind of deep state element that yeah. wants to actually dial up the rhetoric anti-Chinese rhetoric, and get people afraid and get them worked up. Uh, and then but then they're they were left with a problem in the sense that along with the, the hysteria came the the claims that well this we look incredibly weak, right? It was part of the whole hysteria. You're gonna work people up and we're being invaded by a Chinese balloon. How could Biden do this? And of course the, the Conservatives were using it as an opportunity to attack partisan politics, using it to attack the Biden administration and calling it weak and all this kind of stuff. So uh, that second part of it of like Biden was talking about there, where they scanned for everything and anything that was slightly off course going to shoot it down, i.e. normal weather balloons. There's a few that go awry every year or every every week, every day almost. Uh, so they went up and just shot down a, a small amount of latex out of there. In fact, they probably didn't shoot them down at all. I, I would be, I, right. I, I'm suspicious. Where's the footage of bothered. the other ones? Well, yeah. Well, they're not going to show the footage of it. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Biden would be able to hold it in one hand, a lump of latex. This is what we shot down. Does this movie look stronger now? No, it doesn't. It makes you look like a fucking idiot. So they're not going to do that. They're not going to. That's the end of the story. What he just said there. That's 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 it. Over and done with. They were. Yeah. And he admitted it to a certain yeah. extent. But it was like out of an abundance of caution. You never know; these things could have provided a threat to uh, civilian s- airliners sent- or civilian or traffic. S-
1: sensitive uh, maybe sensitive areas because yeah. the uh, the right what in what the states is like making up theories about well these things were going on a certain path yeah. past minute airways you know nonsense <laughs> nonsense um just they're putting this to bed so we will too but the chinese one of their statements on this after we aired the show last week, where you said this happens all the time what about china they have u.s high altitude balloons reversing all the time. And that was confirmed. Um just put that one up, Scotty. China shoots back at US by balloon claims. Um their foreign minister said foreign ministry said US high altitude yeah. balloons have violated Chinese airspace yeah. more than exactly. ten times in the last year alone.
0: Exactly. So no big deal. And they never made a big hoo ha about it, but America did this time. Someone within America made with influence and control and Uh, within the US government or the deep state, whatever you want to call it, uh, beyond Biden and the White House's oversight, decided to make an issue of this. Um, And they did. Um, And Biden, but Biden is being briefed on it every morning. He's waking up every morning, first thing in his mind. As soon as his mind boots up, like, which takes a while, the first thing that pops into his head is balloon. What about that balloon? Get me the CIA. Get me the Pentagon. How's that balloon thing going? Did we... uh, what is it? It's a balloon, sir. All right. Keep me briefed. I'll be <laughs> taking a nap here. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's,
1: that's that nonsense the right way.
0: Um, In fact, on that point, do you want to hear a little quote? Do you know who, do you know who Albert Camus is?
1: How may we he was a French philosopher. Yes. French philosopher. Ex- philosopher. Existentialist. Exactly.
0: He had a good quote. I think, I
1: therefore I am, but where am I? Well, I do not know. Yeah.
0: Every time I hear a political speech or I read those of our leaders, I am horrified at having, for years, heard nothing which sounded human.
1: Right. It It is
0: always the same words telling the same lies. And the fact that, that men accept this, that the people's anger has not destroyed these hollow clowns, strikes me as proof that men attribute no importance to the way they're governed. Touché which is exactly what we're dealing with today. People do not care apparently. Uh, the vast majority of them do not care that they're being run by a bunch of fucking liars and clowns. Because if they did uh, there would be mass demonstrations on the street and they would do something there about it but they don't care. Demonstrations, but well, yeah, the, mass the ones that the yeah. small number of demonstrations of the you know in in, in quantity and and a number of people um, are quickly put down. In fact, that's yeah. actually, actually something that was people talking about Canadia uh, as uh, what do you call her that um, lesbian in the White House? Um, what's her French name? She's got some French Karine, Karine jean Pierre, Abdul Jabar.
1: No, 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 Pierre. <laughs> that's, that,
0: that's sorry. That's a he's a basketball player. Um, uh, she, she, she called. <laughs>
1: Canada, Canadian,
0: Canada, and see, we have this thing called, uh, uh hear- nor, nor mm, you know, it's like NORAD. It's like, uh, what is it? It's a, it's a, you know, one of those don't want to hear group it. things. Yeah.
1: Um, I found this in,
0: uh, this is an example of what you're doing. Though. When, when when Camus talks about clowns and he was talking, you know, what, 50 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. um, that's yeah. he's you know it's just got worse. And then it was, it was that bad got, in his It's day. just got
1: worse. They've always had this kind of corporate speak that is bland deliberately because they keep things vague while they because they can that way when later on when they're caught it minimizes the chance of being caught in a lie. That's mm. that's why they've learned to speak that way. Mm-hmm. But it gets worse as they actually do agree they lie all the time. But sometimes it's not lying. It's just sounds like this. It's just babble it just becomes stupidity this the think about it now this is the official white house press secretary this is the equivalent of dmitry uh, peskov in the united states speaking last week about um, zablons
3: why is why is the American military shooting something out of the sky over Canada?
4: Because it's part of a NORAD. There is a, the NORAD is part of like a it, part of a, a, It's a it's a what you call a coalition, uh, aative, a consortium. A- so of nations. a pact, okay. exactly. And so that's why yeah. we were able to do that. Again, it, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in in, uh, in uh, it, clearly in, in 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 step with uh, uh, Canada. Uh, uh, uh,
0: <laughs> clearly, we did it in step with the Canada. The NORAD did the thing in step with the Canadian, and I'm not a clown. So, um,
1: you know, someone was saying, i they're probably right." This is the first time Americans, many of them, have heard the term NORAD since Canadian. 9/11. Yeah, Canadian is one thing; they, they've heard Canada before because that's like a feature of South Park. It's a running joke that mm. you call it Canada. Mm. So she goofed she's, there, but also the NORAD thing—they they, don't—they haven't heard of NORAD since 9/11. Yeah. Everyone knows NORAD was AWOL on the. It's not letters.
0: NORAD. It's the NORAD. The, NORAD. the NORAD and the Canadian work together. It's this I,
1: thing with us in Canada and the White House. Precaster. I'm not
4: really sure what it is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm meant to tell you all, all the you know inside details of what's going on in the White House, but I've no fucking clue how to say Canada. Uh, just speaking of Canada, um, yesterday Can- Canadian Canadians were. Um, it was, they weren't happy yesterday or Friday when this came out. So, um, there was a commission, a public commission supposedly, uh, fair and balanced, uh, unbiased obviously, um, into last year's emergency, invoking of the Emergency Powers Act by the Trudeau government against the truckers, which an example of the kind of demonstrations that, you know, there aren't many of them, but that it you was know, big, yeah. it was it was fairly fairly serious, and they had a public commission to decide decide whether or not the invoking of the emergency powers uh, emergency powers in Canada to co- to put down that protest was legal was was justified. There was Just any problems with it? So the Canadian government basically investigated itself and said, "We're cool. It's all good. It was fine. We did what we did was fine." And of course, that involved freezing of people's accounts with. At least initially no way for them even if they said, "Okay listen I'm not uh, freezing their bank accounts mm. and when they when they stopped for a protest they left a protest and just went back home they still had their bank account frozen for for sometime for months afterwards they had no way to actually get them unfrozen pretty pretty serious like this mm. is like this is for people to buy food right they they removed your ability to fight, buy food because you were protesting it's um so anyway a yeah, public commission uh announced Friday that Trudeau's government had met the very high threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act to quell the protest by truckers and other angry over Canada's COVID-19 restrictions last winter. Um, just scroll down a bit. Uh, hundreds of thousands, of, some, for weeks, hundreds and sometimes thousands of protests, protesters, of course, there's probably more than that, but anyway, in trucks and other vehicles clogged the streets of Ottawa. Reeling against vaccine mandates for truckers and other COVID-19 precautions and condemning Trudeau's liberal government. Um, Keep going. Justice Paul Rouleau concludes most of the emergency measures were appropriate. He said he does not accept the testimony of the protest organisers who describe demonstrations as lawful and peaceful. The measures taken by the federal government government were for the most part appropriate and effective and contributed to, to bringing a return to order without loss of life or serious injury to property. Which is, you know, so his remit, obviously, it's interesting there, his remit was, did the emergency measures, emergency powers, um, allow for the protest to be put down? Yes, they did. And therefore it was good. No mention at all of whether or not what people were protesting about was justified. And therefore, the protest was justified, and therefore, putting it down would have been unjustified. Mm-hmm. So, so, there's no comment, no no mention in in these write ups in this, or or even in his in his report on it, his 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 uh, verdict on it about whether or not the protesters were justified and whether or not their grievances should should have been addressed. Of course, that it's almost like automatically they're they they were totally unjustified. There was no reason whatsoever for them to be protesting. And the Emergency Powers Act was necessary to put down a bunch of people who are protesting about something that they shouldn't have been protesting about in the first place. End of story. Thank you very much. Public Commission,
1: fair and balanced, free and democratic, all good. Bye bye. Camus was right about part, he was right about the politicians. But if he'd lived long enough, he'd have seen some serious protests. I mean, that one was insurrection, like the Yellow Vest. Though he's not right that people never, and they gave government some of the, they kind of had to do that. Mm-hmm. It was either that or Trudeau was out, and at the very least, early elections, if not worse. Yeah, for the lying class. So
0: for sure, yeah, they were protecting themselves with with emergency powers, with draconian draconian uh, totalitarian powers uh, that were used and given to given to law enforcement <laughs> yeah. to to put down. You know, in any. <laughs> any country that makes claim to being a democratic, free, open society, Canada was not. And many other countries in the Western world were not. Uh, and particularly Canada because it prolonged it for beyond all reason right into last, last, um, obviously through last winter and into last year. Uh, well into last year. Um, and, and any any free, any, any country claiming to be a free and open and democratic society was, uh, you know, the people in that city faced with what they were being subjected to for for that length of time, were totally justified in, in protesting about it. Yeah, you know, it's either admit that you're a bunch of totalitarian nutjobs jobs, or if you still claim this is a free and open democratic society, then uh, we're entitled to protest, and you should you should um, concede to our demands and and reduce these ridiculous draconian uh,
1: totalitarian measures. It's like. um Aaron Good said, who gets to decide the exception gets to rule. Yeah. These, that, that's why Tudor, I mean, just this week as well, pontificating about, you know, freedom and justice elsewhere, maybe Russia, Ukraine or something. Mm. He, he'll do, he'll, he'll say it with a straight face, you know, mm. um, complain about others' lack of rights and freedoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he squares that circle in his head because, well, ours is an exceptional case. mm mm-hmm. I'm in charge. So I'll lecture everyone else about the rule of law, but it doesn't apply to me because I get to decide the exception.
0: Yeah. There's Um, like the COVID business and there have been several other examples where governments, you know, lesser examples where governments have in Western countries, Western supposedly democratic, free, open societies, have declared an emergency that was, you know, overblown, exaggerated, uh, not the kind of emergency, emergency that they said it was whether it be a health emergency or a, a, a social, a, like a kind of a, a security emergency. Um, and they've used that to dabble with totalitarian policies, totalitarian control over the population. Um, and they can do that whenever they want. They can they can declare any, you know, I mean, you can imagine that these people sit around and, you know, or they have people sitting around coming up with uh, ways that, They can justify declaring another emergency and then, you know, locking the country down in one way or another or controlling people's uh, freedom in one way or another. And there's nothing you can do about it. You have to simply believe them when they say, because they're the authority, they have all the information, they have all the science, they have all the knowledge, right? So you have to believe what they say. If they say there's an emergency about X, then you have to believe that there really is a deadly threat, you know, or or some kind of serious threat to the population. And you have to do what they say. I mean, it's, it's, it's...
1: Canada's Canada's case was particularly bad because in other countries they've since had constitutional rulings Mm -hmm. which declared all of the pandemic response measures illegal Mm -hmm. look at this one, this is from a ruling made in uh, the highest court in Spain last Mm -hmm. summer Uh, Spain's top court rules lockdown unconstitutional, it didn't just do that Um, the second paragraph the ruling leaves the door open I don't know if this has been followed up but the ruling leaves it all open for people who are fined for breaking the rules to reclaim the money they paid.
0: Oh yeah. That's happened in most other European countries where all of the fines that people were holding out on not paying the fines that were imposed on them for, you know, breaking lockdown or whatever breaking lockdown rules, they, um, haven't paid them. They were eventually canceled. I mean, that's the, that's the case I know in the UK and in France. And I think it's probably, well, it's obviously, I think that was passed in Spain as well. So most European countries have said, okay, yeah, all that policing and fining of people. And even in some case, detaining people or arresting people were all, uh, not illegal, basically. Yeah. Uh,
1: in the United States, state, uh, courts, New York ruled that the firing of people was illegal that everyone was entitled to get their position back and yeah. back pay. Yeah. Later so, on in that, uh, it says that Spain's, con- it was a close, it was a close call. Spain's con- constitutional court said in a statement that it had voted by a slim majority of six to five to find that the state of emergency was not enough to give the restrictions constitutional backing. Um, this is because the rules were equi- equivalent to a suppression of fundamental rights. In order to legally limit people's freedoms to the extent they did in 2020, the court said the government would have had to declare a state of exception, which is, again, that word exception, rather than a state of emergency. So such, that's interesting on several levels because it means that within Spain's constitution, there is a means, and the government lawyers in 2020 would have known that. You can declare a state of, the. Have, they have three states. They have state of alarm. Maybe there's been a terror attack then there's state of emergency, and then state of exception. Exception is uh, exclusively when the integrity of the state is a threat. Mm-hmm, Will Spain yeah. continue to exist mm-hmm. as a nation right. state. It's a threat to the government. It's the highest possible okay. one. And they didn't invoke that. Right. when they, invo- they specifically went to the mid-level. Mm-hmm. I think because the lawyers knew at the time that this won't last forever mm-hmm. and it'll be enough. Because if we try to invoke exception, we'll fail, and we won't get any measures passed. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing was going on, where they built that into their decisions. Not just Spain, but I presume other European countries. They in, they went ahead with lockdowns and punitive measures, knowing that they were legal, but that when they were finally ruled against, a year or two later, mm-hmm. it wouldn't matter. It would be over by then. Mm-hmm. You know, job yeah.
0: done. There can be obviously there can be situations where there's no threat to the population, but there's a threat to the state, right? Yeah, a serious threat to the existence of the government, and by yeah, by threat to the state or threat to the government, you mean threat to the individuals in government. Like there's so much. but in increasingly, it's it's in, in these times, it's likely that that the two uh, will kind of blend in a sense where the threat to the state comes from the threat, fr- not from not there's no there's a threat to the state, but no threat to the people because the threat to the state comes from threat from the people themselves, right? And then you can revoke, which is weird, you know, because. Technically, in, in their officially in democratic societies, the um, threat to the government uh, is by implication a threat to the country as a whole, including the population. So we're all in this together, right? We're all the same. Government, we're we're your we're your servants after all, right? You elect us as your servants. We're public servants. We serve you. So any threat to us would be a threat to you, obviously, because if the government falls in, the state falls apart, nobody can organize. Like I mean, if put it this way, if the government collapsed. Say the government was, you know, raided by a bunch of whoever, and all taken, put in prison, thrown in dungeons. Who would collect the garbage?
1: The garbage men. No, no, Neil. The government does that. <laughs> no. Tell that to Who? Belgium, which survived for two years without a government and functioned perfectly. In fact, tax receipts went up. Right. Things functioned better. That was just an without anomalous. the government. That was an, that was an anomaly.
0: <laughs> So obviously, the point is that you know these emergency powers and measures are designed more increasingly in, in these times in, in the modern, you know, postmodern era, uh, in the in the 21st century. Anyway, um, these emergency powers are increasingly used to protect government from actions of the population or potential actions of the population. Very often, they, they invoke them in order to head off what they see as potential disgruntled citizens or an entire disgruntled population from rising up and. And, and getting rid of the government. So they, they'll, they'll move before that, you know, to, to keep people contained. Because you don't want to wait until they're at the gates of parliament, right? You don't want to wait until there's a million people standing outside government government buildings and then say, okay, send in the troops, you know? Can you get a brief vendetta situation maybe, you know? Um, that scene at the end of Even vendetta, you know, or stand down or whatever. Anyway, um, so they, they're, they're trying all the time to keep people controlled and cowed and uh, in fear, and in that sense, reliant on government to keep them enthralled to government, thinking that government is there to protect them and, and and keep them safe. And therefore, anything the government does in terms of, you know, controlling your restricting your freedoms is for your own benefit. Uh, eventually, maybe we'll see through this eventually, but it's getting very transparent for the even for the average intelligence yeah. person. It should be fairly transparent at this point that these people are um, out to protect well, themselves, not to look after
1: or. Care for you? There's, there's, it set a precedent because this, you know, late last year, mm. um, banks in Brazil were ordered to start freezing the accounts of protest organizers mm. against their right. election results in October. Yeah, I and there's no follow up. I uh, maybe if I could, you know, research in Portuguese, I might find stuff. But there's a basic blackout in English language media about what. what What's the status with the? what's going on there? Um, Hmm. uh, You can see from their perspective, though, how it was a threat to the state, and it would be an exceptional circumstance. Basically, you've got possibly a majority. The the theory is that they can test the election result, i.e. a majority did not vote for Lula. So in theory, you've got a majority of people either on the streets or in support of those in the streets, and they want the government out. Right there, you've a threat to the government, whether you disagree with their premise or not, what's ju- invoked justify freezing their accounts is, well, we have to stay in power. Right. Because we're, we're the democratically elected government, so we've no choice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of creepy how that that was the second instance in which this occurred, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there it wasn't about a COVID response and vaccine mandate protest it was more like the nuts and bolts of democracy it was a contested mm-hmm. election for who would be the national leader of a country mm-hmm. um, probably going to see more of that yeah Yeah. For may, sure. maybe not maybe it, this is going to be effective though and it's going to have suppressing effects you know uh, that's what they hope this is how their theory of you know social nudging works. Yeah. So if we do this at least a few times, we'll contain there won't be knock on domino effects elsewhere. People will think twice about contesting their elections. They'll just start to accept whatever the results are, like people would have in Soviet time, in Soviet places. Right. In and just
0: yeah, not believe it but not believe it.
1: it but keep the head down. Yeah. They just yeah they keep the be... head down or you don't eat. Yeah. That might be effective. It might win them over.
0: Yeah, they they become basically um disassociated in a certain sense from from society in a certain sense where in terms of the, the contract the social contract between people and government that that becomes broken and people just go listen that's broken. a joke totally you
1: know? broken it. yeah it's broken um, you, as an as an aside we were wondering last week you, you were you you were going you were saying something like i think most americans are basically for ukraine against russia in, in that issue <laughs> um there was a poll this week, AP, AP poll. Yeah. <clears throat> it's I think it surprised the um legacy media. Let's have a look at the result. Didn't surprise me. But um even if we allow for two things, a margin of error on the one hand, but on the other side, remember it's an A P poll, so they're gonna try and pull the right people. They still got a result not in their favor. For, just 48% of respondents in a new AP poll agree with continuing to send weaponry to Kiev.
0: Yeah, it's up 48%, you know, around the 50% mark, you know. Mm. I'm always suspicious of any poll that shows the country divided in two. Because it's perfect, you know. I know. I mean, it's like, okay, that poll basically means nobody can do anything because... The average person who reads it, whatever side they're on, whether they're supportive of Ukraine or supportive of, or, or against Ukraine, against supporting Ukraine, they say, "Well, at least, more or less half of the people in my society don't think like I think." Therefore, as democracy, right, we all just got to learn to live with each other. So let's just, you know, and then the other side are saying the same. You know, it's always dodgy. Like, I mean, I've always, I've always been suspicious of like political polls and you know, um, election results. Uh. In, in countries where it's like, and I mean, I allow for the fact that, yeah, there's, in most Western, you know, most Western countries, there's two dominant parties, like left and right. And that most people would just jump on, I'm left or I'm right, whatever they have a, a history or tradition of doing that. But I don't know. Yeah, I can understand how you might end up with that, but I always think that they're massaged in some way or other, that they always want to keep it at 51, 49, you know, 50 and a half, 49 and a half. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, I suppose we'll never really know. Um so you were talking alone about yesterday. Give us a bit of a history there on last year, this time last year, what was going on?
1: Well, this very show, this very weekend last year, um, we'd been sick of two months of headlines, usually from American media. Russia's gonna invade, Russia's gonna invade non stop for two months and we were just sick of it. So this weekend last year we we're like, is anything gonna happen? Maybe, probably not though. I think we think I think we just we watered down. There had been one little development just before the state the Duma Russian Parliament had put something a proposal to Putin saying it's time to recognize right. Donetsk and Lugansk as independent republics. And he had officially said no. Twenty four hours later was the Monday twenty first, and he did. Hmm. And that surprised people. Surprised me a bit, yeah. Because we're like after eight years, she's gonna okay, yeah. Um, which meant that three days later, well, I think Russian if Twitch I remember, twenty fourth.
0: Yeah, it's a year ago, but if I remember correctly, I think we were thinking that Russia would eventually recognize—not right now, eventually. but fairly really soon—would soon recognize the independence of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic, um, but that that wouldn't necessarily lead to an invasion a war. You know, uh-huh. what I mean it, it would be a political thing where like we recognize them and let's see how it plays out. Let's see what happens as a result, uh-huh. you know. Uh but we didn't expect it to be boom recognize them and then boom the next day or basically a couple of days later yeah. and the invasion, you know. Yeah.
1: But, you know, Putin su- surprised Russians by saying no before the weekend and then Monday special speech, televised speech saying he does, saying he then, had a good think about it over the weekend. <laughs> something like that. And, uh well, what this may be related to another thing that's happened this week. That happened at the same time last year was the Munich Security Conference. Uh, Zelensky returned right. from that Munich Security Conference last February mm. with um, gloats about how Ukraine was going to start looking to arm itself with nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. and that may have been the signal for Putin to go. I need to make a decision of some type now. And yeah. then between February twenty first and the twenty fourth. It probably probably had already decided to do both things, right? To recognize and to roll out. But um, uh, it's it's interesting because eight years to the day ish on February twenty second, twenty fourteen, Yanukovych was on the phone to Putin. Putin said, "You know, just you're you could be in trouble here." And Yanukovych was saying, "No, it's fine. I've just signed a deal with the opposition." spokespeople on the Maidan, Mm -hmm. brokered by the foreign ministers of France, Germany, and Poland, and we've agreed. They're getting everything they wanted. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving by October. There will be fresh elections. And that's it. It's fine. It'll be fine. And Putin's like, there's something else afoot here. Sniper fire starts on the 22nd. Yanukovych is on his way in convoy by car to Kharkov for a regular political meeting. It was nothing exceptional. It was planned, you know, a normal... Conference or something in the east, and he gets wind that his residence, as the sniper fire starts in the Maidan, that his residence has been raided mm-hmm. by Azov types, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Shit!" I and mean, that's when he realizes they're gunning for him, they're looking for him. You know, um, Putin says, "Okay, make your way to the coast, um, wherever, and we'll have." And this is this is what happened. They had Russian special forces land and intercept them maybe in Crimea or just near, take him to Crimea and then from there to Russia. That was February 22nd, February 24th, or maybe that was February 24th. I'm not sure. I think February 24th, the something, yeah, the decision was made by Crimea's regional mm-hmm. parliament to other, break away, referendum. to succeed mm-hmm. from Ukraine. Succeed. Succeed. Um, and I presume, I'm not sure, but I presume the decision, simultaneous decision, in Moscow was like, well, we're going to have to back this up with force. Or the 22,000 Ukrainian soldiers who are stationed in Crimea could do something. Yeah. Either to our troops who were there already yeah. or whatever. So. It wasn't on the twenty fourth that the troops, the the polite green men, were sent in, mm-hmm. but it probably was decided on that day, and I think that day is fixed in Putin's memory yeah. uh, as a kind jumped. of that was the crossing of his Rubicon, right? And then that's jump. how it lined up last year as well. Yeah, jump forward nine years. Jump forward nine years. There are two right. two other things and that kind of decided it. Eight years in twenty fourteen, the closing ceremony of the Sochi Winter Olympics was on the twenty third. And last you can imagine year. he didn't want to do anything right there. He mm-hmm. wanted that to be out of the way. So Russia, it had been a very successful, against all the Western bullshit propaganda, it was a very successful mm-hmm. Olympics. And he wanted to put it to bed. Sim- similarly, last year, supposedly, China said to Russia, look, I we can see you're about to do something, but for God's sake, can you hold off on the 24th? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he agreed. Yeah,
0: the whole thing was very fluid. Like Because, like as I mentioned previously, there's, you know, it's a matter at this point of official record that there was about 150,000 Ukrainian troops amassed on the border
1: of, of Donbass. In that, 2014, and, yes. No, in in 2022. Also, I read in a review of it, at least that's what the Wikipedia page says, they had 150,000 on standby yeah, well, at the time stand- as well because yeah, yeah. they weren't sure what would happen when they sent some contingents into right. Crimea? Well, Will they start shooting each other? The right. 22,000 Ukrainians are stationed there. They didn't. They right. surrendered peacefully. Right, they
0: surrendered. So it was, yeah, it was, the Crimea thing preempted uh, at that point um, any, it would have been small, because in 2014, the Ukrainian military wasn't prepared for any kind of a large-scale offense or large-scale, uh, uh, you know, conflict with, with with Russia, you know, and Russia could have obviously, even though it was unprepared then as well, it would have been able to uh, push back against that. Not, not least, not or not excluding the the, 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 the separatists in in Donbas and Donetsk and Luhansk, right? So, Ukraine in two thousand fourteen wasn't ready to invade. That's, I mean, they spent the next eight years. Uh, yeah, they spent the next because you know a lot of things happened at that time. The the the, the rebels in in Donetsk and Luhansk, basically said we want no part of this new government, and we want independence, and we're kind of breaking away. You know, we're, yeah. we're 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 declaring it now. Okay, it's not official, but we're declaring it now, and that's when the eight years of Ukraine then just waged this anti-terrorist, so-called anti-terrorist oper- operation against the people in Donbas. Uh, but I don't think there was much. they were like
1: they weren't in a position. The Ukrainians weren't in a position to do anything. Putin in wasn't 2014. sure of that, though. Exactly, he wasn't sure. And there's uh, separately in a biography I've been reading about the time those uh, discussions of what went on in the Kremlin and like even Sergei Shorge was like okay but we've no contingency plan for this we're just gonna have to play it by ear that Putin had taken a risk and that was possibly why they had their nuclear forces on standby Mm -hmm. as well they were like well what's gonna happen nothing happened yeah Well, it's It's
0: interesting that they didn't do anything in Donbass, but they did something in Crimea. They moved straight away to secure Crimea because they knew Crimea was, you know, strategically very important for for the Russian Black Sea Fleet there. And this new government that was the coup government installed effectively by the the Americans, by the State Department, you know, they could have caused some problems in Crimea. So they went to Crimea and said, we've got to secure Crimea and secure the Black Sea Fleet uh, uh, port. So, uh, But in Donbass, well... There's nothing serious going to happen there. There's enough military personnel in Donetsk and Luhansk to kind of like hold their own in a certain sense and the Ukrainians aren't in a position to really do anything large scale, i.e. take invade yeah, Don- they Donetsk and only... Luhansk. And that's why they spent the next eight years just yeah. basically lob- lobbing artillery shells at them and killing about 10,000 uh, 10, 10 15,000 people over those eight years. Yeah.
1: That only but, kicked off in May
0: when Right. A couple of Turkey later.
1: knows. Yeah. You remember him? Yeah,
0: Turkey Novar. Knows, the yep. guy who just said
1: I'm now the speaker of yeah. the Rada in the Kiev. Yeah. Um he declared the anti-terror operation right. that, was the, that was three months later. Yep. Yeah.
0: So um yeah, and that leads up to twenty twenty two, and like you said, the same last year, Munich Security Conference. Uh wait until the Chinese Olympics were uh done and then they move in. And then back to today, we have the Munich Security Conference again. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and the great and the good, uh the best bullshitters the West has to um Offer all showed up, and um, and said some interesting things. Again, the vast majority of this stuff is, um, just talk. Basically, talking things up. Uh, they they talk a really good game, but then when you look at the details, they're not following through mm-hmm. on it. You know, because uh, they know they don't have to. You know, they do the bare minimum in order to keep the whole thing going. In fact, if you if you look at this, uh, this is just you know in in the context of the Munich Security Conference. This is Borrell. This is Jungle Man. Uh, jungle Boy. Uh, no, he's the gardener. Oh, sorry. Who? He's the gardener. Oh, yes. Well, whatever. All the darkies are in He the knows about the jungle, though. Um, yeah. This is uh, him in, in that context. Actually, he was he's speaking at the Munich Security Conference. Uh, he says, the Ukraine war is over unless the EU boosts military support. The war in Ukraine will be over Unless the EU finds a way in weeks to speed up the provision of ammunition to Ukraine, Borrell, EU Foreign Affairs Chief, warned on the final day of the Munich Security Conference. Um,
1: he went on to say, I'm going for a memory here, or unless you want to play it, No, maybe, maybe it, he says it or not. He, he, he wants to impress how urgent it is. They need it now. They need it now. Yeah. But he also says, they have enough weapons. We just need ammo. Yeah. But we're running out of ammo, so we need yeah. to we need to just, bump up industry.
0: Just uh, scroll down. Just um, through, I'll do it later. There, um, he said. In the third paragraph, there, in, yeah. we are in urgent mode. This shortage of ammunition. Yeah. Oh well, just the paragraph above. He said a special. Me- he said a special meeting of the EU defense ministers for eighth, ninth of March will provide a chance for countries to offer ammunition from their existing stocks. Adding it is taking up to 10 months for Euro- European armies to order and receive a single bullet. <laughs> we are in urgent mode, he said. This shortage of ammunition has to be solved quickly. It is a matter of weeks, he said. If it was not, the war would be over. And God forbid that the war would be over, people. I mean, how, how, how are Ukrainians going to keep dying? How are Russians going to keep dying? Mostly Ukrainians, but Russians too. And how is the garden going to keep itself pristine if it's not killing darkies
1: uh, and and non Europeans? <laughs> if
0: it's if it's uh, yeah, if uh, if the um, if the arms manufacturers aren't making a crap load of money. Um, anyway, yeah. So that was him, and then you have um, Rishi, Golden Boy Rishi Sunak, only in the job UK Prime Minister a couple of months, doesn't really know what he's talking about. But he'll say stuff anyway. Um, This is him in his actual... So they all give a little speech, whatever. Uh, And you just play that.
3: We need a military strategy for Ukraine to gain a decisive advantage on the battlefield to win the war. And a political strategy to win the peace. To win the war, Ukraine needs more artillery, armoured vehicles and air defence. So now is the moment to double down on our military support. Let's get ready when to pause Putin in the started end. this war, he gambled that our resolve would falter. Even now, he is betting that we will lose our nerve. But we proved him wrong then. Check it there. And we will prove,
0: we'll prove him wrong now. To thunderous applause from, oh, about 50 people. Uh, yes, but 50, and, very important And if you, Can you make that bigger? Because there's an interesting person there that, uh no, you can't, anyway, when you see the center, front, uh, from our perspective, front, center, there's three guys there in a kind of diagonal line, the third guy along, who's that? Uh, Who is that, Neil? He's got glasses on, right? Who
1: is that? Oh, your man Ted Ross.
0: Ted Ross himself, your old friend Ted Ross, sitting in the front row at the Munich Security Conference. He's the head of the World Health Organization. What's he doing at the Munich Security Conference? Is he does he just like guns and hearing about war in Ukraine or something? Should should he not be over in a lab looking for the next uh, looking for the next um, pandemic pandemic coming coming our way? And there'll be somebody else. uh, We'll see in a minute. um, I don't, I, don't, I don't like to subject you all to more of Rishi Sunak, but uh, this was talked about as being, again, it's kind of waffle to a large extent in terms of the way they say it, but um, this is his official statement about what, they're going, what the UK is going to provide to, for the Ukraine to keep the war going, because ending the war would be terrible.
3: ...from Russian bombs and Iranian drones. And Iranian that's why drones. the United Kingdom will be the first country to provide Ukraine with longer-range weapons. And it's why we're working with our allies to give Ukraine the most advanced air defense systems and build the air force they need to defend their nation. But to win the the peace, we also need to rebuild the international order on which our collective security depends. First, that means upholding international law. The whole world must hold Russia to account we must see justice through the ICC for their sickening war crimes Ooh. committed. Whether icc in Mariupol, or beyond.
2: Or and anywhere, Russia must anywhere. also be
3: held to account for the terrible destruction it has inflicted.
0: On uh, who, whoever else, I, can, I can't think of who now, but other people as well. ICC,
1: International Criminal Court. and they We must th- uphold the international order, by continuing to kiss America's ass.
0: Yes, exactly. Because America is the international order and without it, we are lost. Uh, and here's your friend, another friend of yours.
1: No, not more. Uh, oh, Jesus.
0: I'm sorry again to subject you to this, but um it's we like, have to listen to it because... It's like a bus. Per, <laughs> it's like a bus. An electric, and there's Wi-Fi. It's on. like an electric bus. Ukraine is like an electric bus. Um, yeah, let's hear what uh, Camel has to say.
4: And there is no doubt. Next thing, slow. These are crimes against humanity. Yeah.
0: What were they again?
4: <coughs> the United States has formally determined.
0: Formally determined, United States has. That
4: Russia has committed Ooh. crimes. <gasps> against humanity.
0: Didn't you say that but the United say, What do you say? To
4: all those who have perpetrated these crimes
0: you will be held
4: and to their superiors and who their are descendants complicit in these crimes you will be held to account
0: <laughs> by me
4: in the face <laughs> of these in she can hardly keep facts. it together
0: Indistributable so facts
4: here in munich
0: here in let us renew america's backyard our
4: commitment to accountability hmm. let us renew our commitment to the to rule a unipolar
1: of law. unipolar world order see she, they had
0: to, they had to give it to her give it on the on the what do you call it the Teleprompter. Teleprompter. I had to give it to to her very slowly because she has a tendency whenever she just talks like, you know, normally or whatever, to to get a bit hysterical and start laughing and giggling at the wrong point, you know, like Uh about anything and everything, you know. So just look, Kamala, just read it super slow, take long pauses between each word, and then you'd be less likely to bust out laughing or or giggle like a hysterical freak. Uh, at inappropriate times, you just say it super slow. Just read it super slow. I know you have no idea what you're talking about, but read it super slow. It's the same as Rishi Sunak. Like he's two months in the job. He's a financier. He's a, he's a London stock exchange kind of guy, uh, married into lots of Indian money has no idea. He, he wouldn't know one end of a bullet from the other, right? Or one end of a, but, he knows, he knows what kind of artillery. Cause that's what they told me, you know, like uh, they told me to read this thing about artillery and, and planes and stuff. And I hear in war, you need planes and missiles and stuff like that and those are the things that I have determined just like Kamala there has determined that that uh, Russia has committed war crimes uh, R- Rishi has determined that in a war a country fighting a war needs some bullets and guns and shit so we are committed to doing that to make sure that the war does not end
1: you get a real sense of the intellectual level of West and East, when Brutal. you compare those speeches yeah. with Putin's 2007 speech at the same conference. Yeah. It was, I mean, go back and listen to it. It's like multi-level, complex, uh, yeah. philosophical, history-making. It was the first time anyone had used the term multipolar world order in a, in a political speech. Mm. The Russians and the Chinese had been discussing it as a concept yeah. on a bilateral basis, but none of them had stepped I up and it was said... Very clear this is um, how it's going to be for all of us yeah. going forward. At some point, Putin stepped down a year later, and so it kind of went away and only came back with him in 2012. But yeah. the, the gulf is just, it's night and day. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of Westerners what? are or at least aware that um, they're being spoken to as if they're five-year-olds because, like Camus said, yeah. They're listening to liars. Right. Um what's good
0: though is that even though they're a bunch of clowns and liars and you know, um you know, self absorbed self absorbed narcissists, they can't help but kind of reveal certain things at the same time, you know what I mean? Because all they talk about is ideology. They just have this ideology which serves their own personal and group interest. Um uh, so they'll say some things that they otherwise wouldn't, that you'd never hear um like on the other side, like like Russian politicians, yeah, at least Putin and others like that. You never had them stating such, you know, technically political faux pas or you know, being coming across as being aggressive, coming across as being what people accuse them of being, which is like just aggressive warmongers. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and in fact, having planned this all along, and they're thereby exposing the fact that they're liars when they say, like for example, Russia started this war, and then they. Uh, they'll say stuff that that exposes the fact that that's not actually true, you know, because they can't help.
1: Themselves. Yeah, we've been training them all since 2014. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But Russia started this war. We we, we trained an army to kind of like invade Russia. But this is so after the actual bullshit speech they all give, like for five minutes or something. Uh, the ones who are asked, like Sunak and the Great and the Good, um, they they then have a, a open discussion. If you know what I mean, they sit there with a Another person, Open they get asked a question. Open mic, yeah. <laughs> uh, supposedly. And the audience gets to ask the odd question as well. Yeah. Anyway, here's Rishi. Going back to Rishi, he says something quite interesting in his little uh, chat with the moderator. She's probably a reporter or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, go from there.
3: So he's asked a question. What are we waiting for? Would be my pitch. So now's the moment to act. Now, with regard to stockpiles, I think the, again, the pitch I would make to people is to remember what do we have those stockpiles for? If you're a European nation and you have this equipment, you have to ask yourself, what was it there to defend against? What was it there to do? And if one of those stockpiles is now helping to degrade a Russian tank, well, isn't that precisely what it would have been used for? You had it in your stockpile (laughs) for. So I don't think you should necessarily see every bit of depletion of stockpiles as somehow... A negative that is a problem is actually well hang on, that, that's what the purpose of these things were. Um so our security, even as the stockpiles might be depleted, if they're degrading Russian armed forces, they are increasing our security at the same way. Um so that's one way to think a little bit about the stockpiles. But it's right that we do need to replenish them in the UK. We've provided
0: a- Oh look who it is. Sitting there lapping it up. She's in for the children. She's there for the children herself. For the children.
1: Fire the children. Um, oh, the children? Fire the children? She, she, fire the children. The children. Why?
0: Yeah, why you in Munich? Munich? You know what? I okay. know where
1: she's there. She's there because she can decide which uh, stocks, stock tips to send. Paul. Yeah, yeah. She's um, just there for the for Raytheon. Stock tips. Raytheon buy, buy, Raytheon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but an interesting point. There. Very interesting. Well, what, what's the point in? Why do we what all have point? an army to begin with? Why do we have? Why stock were we plans all plans in NATO to begin with? Right. This was always what it was for. Okay, he's talking about
0: stockpiles that have been there for for years. Decades. In some case, decades. And I said, European countries. What did you have your stockpiles for anyway if it wasn't to kill Russians? Like, I mean, you stockpiled this stuff going back 10, 20 years, right? We all know it was to kill Russians, so let's use it. What's the, Who's complaining that we're using it to kill Russians, that we're depleting it? What else are you going to deplete it on? You're going to just, what was it, for for some... An invasion from the jungle or something?
1: Right. Yeah. The invasion from in
0: the jungle is happening under our watch. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the economic, uh, immigrants coming in that we're allowing into the country. And obviously you're not going to use your weapons in them. They're very welcome. These stockpiles of weapons were always for Russia going back a long time. We all knew it. We all knew it was going to happen one day. Hmm. We made it happen because that's what we had planned all along. You know, you see where people get into conspiracy theories. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you could challenge him with that and say, but are you saying that, that in the, back of everybody in every European political leader's mind was the idea that the stockpiles of weapons in European countries, their armed forces, to the extent that they were in any state of readiness or able to actually fight, were always going to be for... Killing Russians. Killing Russians. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. Okay, so would that imply then that you may have in some way provoked this conflict? Do you know what I mean? If I'm like, you know, because that's... You know, what I mean, you, you certainly have signaled that to the Russians. So the Russians would have picked up on that. You know what I mean? If that was a prevailing attitude for a long time in Europe, that these weapons were designed to fight an ultimate war against Russia, then surely the Russians picked up on that. And therefore, could it not be said that you're the one who actually provoked this war rather than what you just said, Russia, Russia started this war. And Kamala said Russia started this war. You're lying, aren't you, Mr.
1: Sunak? No, no, no. No, no, no. They started the war on stockpiles. Something that's always been said about Putin by his, even by all his enemies. When they go to meet him, they're astonished by how well briefed he is Mm. about everything. Compare that with Sunak here. This is Sunak's defense minister this week. Sunak saying, just go and check out your stockpiles. See what you got. Send it on to Ukraine. Well, his defense minister did that. Remember all the hoopla about the tanks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. West lacks operational tanks for Kiev, UK Defense Secretary. Armies have been hollowed out over the last three decades, Ben Wallace said. Let's just send non-operational tanks in, no? If we
0: don't have operational So ones. what
1: they did was, after all that hoopla and the political agreement to send tanks, mm-hmm. they went to the generals and said, okay, open up the warehouse see what we've got. And they <laughs> see found if we've
0: got what we promised you we were going to send.
1: Uh, in a Saturday interview with Der Spiegel, Wallace noted that Germany organized a meeting with his NATO when they all agreed, yeah, we're going to send about 100, whatever. That's when the problems became obvious. The political decision is there. The politicians sent their military to the depots only to find that their tanks are not operational or repaired for delivery to Ukraine.
0: <laughs> According to Wallace, NATO has to face the painful truth that our armies have been more or less hollowed out over the last 30 years. There are numbers of how many tanks each country has, but then there is the reality that tells us that far too few of them are operational.
1: So So basically, this is Europe
0: and the US using Ukrainian, the lifeblood of Ukraine, Ukrainian manhood, basically, to just throw them at the Russian military to try and And with the intent of in some way or other causing a problem for Russia, killing Russian soldiers, doesn't matter if it's like seven, eight to one, you know, Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian to Russian, it doesn't matter as long as you get some Russians, as long as you keep Russia embroiled in some kind of conflict, as long as, and this is the thing over the past 15 years, at least, if you remember, this is just a continuum of the continuation of it, which is demonizing Russia. More than anything else, this war is not meant to be won. It's not going to end. The, the West, the US, doesn't doesn't you know expect or hope for a, an actual victory or Russia being forced to surrender and, and come to terms and all that kind of stuff and sign a uh, some kind of treaty that's anti-Russian. They don't expect any of that. They this is simply a continuation of the long term, as we've talked about many times, going back most of those fifteen years of the Western a Western policy of. Demonizing Russia in the eyes of the West, the international community, quote unquote, in order to, in some way, sideline it and split the world into create a new Cold War de facto. Some delusional plan they have for a well, new version of to, to not mean, Putin's multipolar world, but
1: some new kind of world order where the West is separated from the rest. If there's one continuity <clears throat> with the Cold War and even before that um, it's to bring Russia to heel it's to bring Russia into the western fold on western on terms. terms putin was all <clears throat> game for that when he <clears throat> in his first term but not on western terms he said oh he even suggested to bill clinton well what if we join nato and bill was like yeah and his advisors were like no no because they'll come in and they'll water down the mission mm-hmm. and we can't tell them what the mission is cuz then <laughs> that's a secret, the mission is now clear 20 years later, the mission is to bring Russia to heel um, the only person who made any sense at the this year's Munich conference was Macron, again mm-hmm. um, even there he's deluded, but you get a sense of he think this is a new and novel idea, this is what they wanted to do when they had Yeltsin in charge in, in the 90s It's 30 years too late, Macron. Um, So he talked about, yeah, we have to, it's the same party line. We have to defeat Russia, but not crush it. Um, He he said a military red line for us should be not encouraging Ukrainians to attack Russia proper. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not think, as some people do, that we must aim for total defeat of Russia. Those observers want to, above all else, crush Russia. That has never been the position of France and it will never be a position. Um, He goes on to say, we need, yeah." basically, he's the only non-Hawk there and mm-hmm. it's all relative. He wants peace. He recognizes that Russia is European and he wants to bring him back into the fold, mm-hmm. you know. But it's like I said, it's it could have happened in the 90s, but that that is long gone after everything that's been done to and around Russia since then. And the, the, the intransigent thing, the Russians are a problem, so to speak. Mm -hmm. They don't submit. Mm -hmm. They won't accept your globalist world order because they know that the globalist banner is really unipolar. It's Mm -hmm. Washington and Mm -hmm. everyone else gets the scraps that there can be no, there's no equal partners here. You know, um, There's one other thing of note at the MSC. We have to wait and see, but the Chinese foreign minister was there, Wang Yi. um, He gave a short speech similarly to Macron's peace, peace, peace. And he announced that China would launch an explicit peace plan on the anniversary of the war. So that's upcoming February 24th. He didn't say what it was, but supposedly he's there talking to Europeans, sounding them out for their support about it. Um, on the issue you mentioned just before of whether they think they can really win this or not, it's, I don't know, I don't know what to think. In the space of three days, this is the chair, This is the top military man in the United States, Mark Milley. Um, he gave exactly the opposite statement. So this is the first one earlier last week.
2: Russia has lost. They've lost strategically, operationally, and tactically, and they are paying an enormous price on the battlefield. But until Putin ends his war of choice, the international community will continue to support Ukraine with the equipment and capabilities it needs to defend itself.
1: Blah, blah, blah.
2: We are collectively supporting Ukraine's ability to defend its territory, protect its citizens
1: it's lost, it's over, you know,
2: mm-hmm. it's done.
1: We're just cleaning up here. Three days later, he gives an interview to the Financial Times. There's likely to be no military winner mm-hmm. in Ukraine.
0: He just said they lost, though. He just said Russia lost. Again, <laughs> people <laughs> don't... We've tried to What was it Camus upon said people? about politicians? Yeah, people, We've tried to impress upon people just how much propaganda is a major, major part of any conflict, you know, and it's about convincing the population that they're on the winning side basically. Yeah. Even when you're losing, you tell them that you're winning, you know? Um, so that they maintain
1: I mean, faith in the institution.
0: Yeah. I mean oh. propaganda, like information, the information war is extremely important, you know, and it's it's obvious that it is. I mean informa- information war is like you're in you're in an information war when you watch TV, you know? uh if you watch commercials on t v you know yeah, what only if only on TV.
1: if only for your attention
0: yeah it's for your attention to get you and to get you to think and believe certain things and then act on those beliefs you know um so it absolutely has you know the that's what people don't understand the lies are part of the war you know it, it's there's a offensive offensives of of lying basically you know to try and- to, to get people to to convince people that something is is happening in a certain way because then that will need people to act in a certain way. It's a very basic level. It it, it keeps up so pu- public support. Let's say, yes, we're doing the right thing in Ukraine. Ukraine's defending democracy
1: for Europe, yeah. p- democracy for the whole world. You know, get on board. To and, maintain the collective myth, myth that our way of life is the best. It's better than theirs. Yeah. Therefore, we should remain in power. Right. And don't you ever do the unthinkable. And start thinking that maybe we should be removed from power. Hmm. It, it's it's incredible how much of it's actually domestic. And Putin has says this countless times. that when it comes to like all through Russiagate, he's like asked to comment on it, you know, asked to deny any Russian involvement in election interference for the nth time. He's like, look, no, no, this is, don't, this isn't, I'm not involved. This is irrelevant. This is American domestic politics projected outwards. <coughs> it's mm-hmm. nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's only Washington politics which it was. You know? Yeah. Even even in war, at least at this sort of relatively low intensity level, right, where mm-hmm. it's not actually head-on collision between two major countries, it's still domestic politics playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose over the longer term, they maintain a kind of quasi-strategy or hope that... Actually, Macron, we didn't include this, Macron addressed this specifically as well, there's still the ever wishful, ever present wishful thinking that if we maintain the pressure on Russia in whatever form, just throw throw them the old tanks and 16 year old conscripts, whatever, and mercenaries from Colombia, just even ISIS. There's a few ISIS uh, flags that popped up in, in, yeah, in yeah. Ukraine the last week. Whatever, just throw everything at it. Um, if we get enough R- Russian soldiers killed, enough Russian families will be upset. And pressure will percolate upwards, and maybe down the road, if not for removing Putin, it'll remove the whole attitude that comes with that type of regime. Mm-hmm. So they hold out for that. Maybe they don't bank on it today, but that it's part of the endless, almost messianic mission to bring Russia to heal. Mm-hmm. That trans—it's a century old, you know. Um, yeah. It's deluded because it's deluded for many reasons, but it, it's it's it, Russia is just too far away culturally. They don't understand the so psychology there. Is the opposite. The pressure Putin is actually coming under domestically is the reverse. They the Russian people want them to get it done. Go massive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. smack NATO if you have to. Mm-hmm. That's the pressure he's under. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not the way they imagine this happening. You know. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: it's. Uh... It's all, it's all, it's all a sideshow to a large extent. That's what people don't re- realize that it's all a sideshow. Um, it's, it's going somewhere. I mean, this it's on a trajectory, and the, the conflict in Ukraine and all the talk of you know possible nuclear war and third world war and all that kind of stuff it's all just that's a sideshow part of it. This this actual conflict in Ukraine is a, is on a continuum from, let's say, we can put it back as far as you want in a certain sense, but go back to 2000, 2001, thousand one nine eleven the nine eleven attacks, and come forward from there and watch all of the events and the degradation of society in the way the, the world, particularly the Western world, but by the, the world, uh, by extension, the world in general, has has gone, and it's not going in a good direction, and it's continuing on in, and it, it will continue on in that, on that downward trajectory, and the Ukraine conflict is just um, part of that kind of the pathology that took over, that has taken over within politics, global politics, and particularly in Western politics. Uh, It's just an incident that is a direct result of the pathological uh, types of people. Essentially, you know, some kind of character disturbed, psychopathic type individuals in positions of power in Western countries will always cause situations like this, will always lead to chaos and destruction. And the conflict in Ukraine is just an outplaying of that. And there's more to come. Of course, each of those every time they act in, in a certain psychopathic way, as in provoking Russia into conflict in Ukraine, it has wider uh, as an impact on the on you know it, it helps to push things further down the, the on the downward trajectory. Global
1: food suppliers, food supply, energy that kind Issue.
0: It's all going in the direction of yeah. screwing up the lives of hundreds and hundreds of billi- or billions of people, screwing their lives and their livelihoods up, and making life increasingly unbearable for those people. So to make main- the whole to
1: maintain faith.
0: In the rules based order. Well, and maintain faith in their own positions yeah. uh, of power and influence. That's all they're in it for, is to continue on, to, to perpetuate their own positions of power and influence. It's purely self interest on their part. And this is the outplaying or the manifestation. This exa- one example, just like I said, it goes back to 9 11. Everything that's happened in between can all be tracked back to an outplaying of their supreme
1: narcissism. A global drama all for the privilege of a few. Right. Which has its mirror image in the whole transgender woke thing. Yeah. Of a, a few causing I mean, such massive social issues, uh, disharmony and so on. Here's a
0: case in point. Uh, my uh, yeah. Rights, yeah. You know? yeah, exactly that. And here's a case in point uh from yesterday. This is a a video it's just I'll tell you what it's about now. It at the time it was just published yesterday, it was um it's a, a shopping center. It's a CNET outside a shopping center oh, in the yeah. La Defense district. It's a shopping mall uh, district in um, in Paris, uh, suburb of Paris essentially, or an area of Paris. And it uh, it's a shopping mall, and people running out of it, screaming and shouting. And you wonder what's happening. You think, oh, well, they they're acting as if there's some kind of an active shooter going on inside, yeah. or some kind of a shooting, which is part of the right that's just how life is these days right there's active shooters all the time and people know how to respond that's an example of the degradation of society uh that, that has you know happened let's say over the past 20 20 or so years where people respond and learn. responses way. yeah like hysterical responses and what they're actually responding to did you play it yeah what they're actually responding to is um yeah i mean the audio isn't necessary they're just people running out of the running out of the the mall but what actually happened inside is that because it's a multi-story shopping mall some guy got up and that's a uh, you make a comment on that or that's a, a commentary on society in itself some guy threw himself off one of the upper yeah. levels inside a shopping mall and killed himself so he threw himself off and landed down with a bit of a you know well a, a bang loud, a, noise. a kind of thump crack noise whatever and that caused all these people to sprint out of the shopping mall, not because they saw someone commit suicide, because they thought it was some kind of a, it was a loud noise. And that was enough to spook them, to spook them and cause mass, like contagion of panic and them all to sprint out of the shop, like hundreds of people running out of a shopping mall because some guy jumped, committed suicide. That's a disturbing thing to see, obviously. But you go back, you know, 30 years. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen to someone People don't, people don't flee en masse from somebody who's just committed suicide. Mm. They're horrified. They're kind of like disturbed or whatever, but they don't run as if their lives are in danger from somebody having, somebody having committed suicide. Mm. And that is an example of the kind of things that I'm talking about, the outplaying of psychopathology in, 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 pe- among people in positions of power in the Western world and what they have done to society, the effects they have on society, because them running out of that mall is a direct effect of, um, of terror attacks, of, of, of yeah. Islamic terrorism, which, of course, I go back to 9-11, America launching its war on, its global war on Muslim terrorism. And they go and invade five, six different countries, bomb, occupy multiple Muslim countries, kill hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, in fact, over the course of those 20 years. And then there's this, you know, we're we'll not getting into the details of that, but obviously the response nominally, officially is terror attacks uh, happening beginning when did they started, I do around 2000. Major terror attacks in Western. Well, after well, 2005. 11, yeah. 2004, Madrid. Madrid, London bombings, 2005. Unofficially. 7-7, 2005.
1: Unofficially, Toulouse. Toulouse. The same month. Remember? Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then multiple ones since then, and then shootings at concert Hall, Ariana Grande, you know, multiple terror plots and, and, and terror attacks, mass shootings in America. I mean, that is. All of those things that have created this kind of uh, the kind of society we live in today, in terms of just people's the psychological security, right, uh, is a result of the actions, uh, the supreme narcissism and self-interest, and psychopathology of people in positions of power and how they go about ruling, quote unquote, the country.
1: Speaking of 9-11, Israel bombed Damascus last night again. That's one way to help them with their earthquake recovery, right? <sighs> Killing 15 people. <clears throat> and there wasn't, you know, like targeted airstrikes bullshit. It was, they launched missiles from Golden Heights, just in the city center. Mm-hmm. 15 people killed. Yeah, and that's after what happened, the earthquake. I, God knows, like, uh, Turkey, Turkey, at least... Turkey is much bigger, of course, more resources, uh, more people. But the death toll there is officially now around forty-two thousand people. Yeah. Syria is officially six thousand, but that's going to go way up. They just don't have—they don't have the same resources to, to do search and recovery and and even to count how many people. And some, of course, it's in territory that's disputed. The Syrian right. authorities can't get into yeah. pockets of places because ISIS, you know, are still present.
0: Yeah, um, I saw something, and I don't know if I can actually see it here. Uh, in the in the UK Times, I'm, to my shame, I'm uh, subscribed to the British Times, the Sunday Times. Um,
1: well, you like to be well informed. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, um, I. Uh, Let me see if I can if I can find it. So it's, it's yeah, the Empire so paper basically. of newspaper of record. It's, it's the thing is sometimes it has good uh, yeah. you know, reports into certain things. That's the only reason I I can't subscribe to it. But um, it's uh, they're sometimes they just put out the worst kind of uh, black, egregious black, black dirty, disgusting propaganda. You know. Um, let me see if I can. I don't have any articles there. Um, it was basically a report on the... Oh, there it is. And actually, they changed it. Changed the title of it. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's, it's, the title of it is Basking in Adulation, How Assad is Exploiting the Earthquake. The disaster has let, let the Syrian dictator erase evidence of the regime's heinous crimes while brazenly demanding funds for reconstruction. And the first first paragraph, Bashar al-Assad is laughing. Four days after an earthquake devastated northwest Syria, Assad and his wife visited sites of destruction and survivors in regime-held Aleppo. Regime-held Who else is going to hold Aleppo? Imagine, yeah, okay. regime Al-Nuz- held uh, So it should be, uh, yeah, it should be ISIS held Aleppo. Is that what you prefer, or American right.
1: held? I don't know. It's cruel. This was a sad
0: first public appearance after nat- after the natural disaster struck. He was not solemn; he was literally laughing. And then they have a picture down here of him smiling with a group of people who are also smiling. That level of cross propaganda, you know what I mean? You take yeah. like, I mean, it's it's there's obvious bias, massive, massive bias, and even bias that even the average person who might su- support that 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 belief about uh, the Western attitude towards uh, uh, Assyrian Assad and the whole history there. Sure, if you had any brain cells at all, you'd say, "Look, this is obviously a ridiculous hit piece." They show him in amongst people as he's going, to, to like any president would do to disaster, uh, earthquake hit areas. And there are people there and he's, you know, spent quite a long time there. And some people are coming over and they're saying, hey, can you get a picture with you? You know, and he's not actually at, you know, some kind of uh, the side of a, a collapsed building. He's going around meeting people and some of them come up and smiling at him. And they're saying, can I take a picture with you? And he smiles because they're smiling and they want to take a picture of him. But this is according to the times that means he's laughing because he's, He's just banking it as a result of this earthquake because it's covering up his crimes yeah. in regime held a level. I just barfed all over. Yeah. It. Like I tried, and you know what? I put a comment to that effect in yeah. on, on that article, and immediately it was immediately it said, and I actually toned it down so there's no bad words, and they said uh, we're going to have to moderate your comment.
1: Uh, your, your comment is in moderation. I Check back later to see if because it's Because it may affect full faith and belief in our beautiful institutions. Yeah, um, it gives something away. They don't realize it, but they, they're they projecting onto Assad political intentions. So if right. there was an earthquake or right. the natural disaster in Britain, that. Johnson or Sunak would be out there with, <clears> and <throat> he would have talked to his advisors beforehand. How can we shape this to benefit from this crisis I remember an advisor uh, to blair uh, after this the 7-7 terror attack got in hot water because mm-hmm. a hot mic or something her comments were leaked she heard about it and it's in her city london and the first thought was oh God, this great this is gonna be great think about the things we can bury under this the bad news we can bury that report, that commission, and so on. Right, because that's how they think. Yeah. So they're like they see Assad, or they they've said it about Putin dozens of times. Okay, he's in, there's a crisis, and he's going to, to it. exploit it. So how has he calculated that he can benefit? Because that is what we would do. Exactly. Projection. yeah. Cycles. Anyway, um,
0: it's been a quiet week. All told, after the balloons, like it's, yeah, yeah. It's, I was I felt a bit deflated. After the balloons uh, went away, you know, and then uh, it seems that the news cycle was a bit deflated as well. There wasn't an awful lot going on because uh, it was a high point, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it was. Uh, That's
1: why I said I was disappointed. It was,
0: you know, yeah. Yeah, deflated. I felt elated. You were elated, and then they are deflated. Like yeah. up in the clouds, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah,
1: it felt light, and now it's yeah, airy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the, actually, the most talked about thing on the Twitter field last week, mostly among Americans, is this train derailment in Ohio. Ah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it's obviously horrible, but
1: um, a lot of people are saying, "Oh my God, it was done. It was delivered." Well, or yeah, at least as corporate, you know, malfeasance, yeah, uh, lawsuits and stuff.
0: I kind of think, like I was saying, it tends to lead to that pure self-interest and neglect, and you know, obviously, self, extreme self-interest or supreme self-interest inevitably leads supreme self-interest in someone who is responsible for others inevitably leads to neglect of those people that they're responsible for because they're totally concerned to themselves. So it's not surprising that, I mean, there's been talk about American infrastructure failing and all that kind of stuff and being in a terrible state for a very long time. And yeah, corporate interests, you know, filters down politics, corporations, hand and glove type thing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, directly attributable to the to, to some corporate attempts to, cut corners, save money, don't give a shit. Yeah, uh, That's the kind of chaos that happens as, well, a, as a result. Yeah. You know? it's, not accident, it's not an accident per se, you know what I mean? It's ne- it's, it's, it's neglect.
1: Ne- negligence, definitely. Um, people are going too far, you know, with the Chernobyl. Europe, potentially it's Chernobyl too, and so okay. there's a few weird things about it though. The place, the name of the place. East Palestine, yeah. Although they call it East
0: Palestine or something,
1: Palestine. the locals. You're not allowed to say Palestine. East Palestine. What a strange symbolic name name match. The universe threw up there. You know the Columbia shuttle. Yeah,
0: in two thousand four, uh, it came down officially over Palestine, Texas. Palestine, Texas.
1: Yeah, another interesting one. So, okay, Chernobyl too is too much. The, the town, bless them. I know there's definitely you know local pollution. How far it spread? Possibly, but it's still only a potential killer. I know there were dead fish and animals and people there are... They're getting contradictory advice. I mean, this is... it's. I think we can put this all into effectlessness. On the one hand, they were told... Well, they were told to evacuate. They've since been told it's okay to go back home. Then they were told the water's safe, mm-hmm. but don't drink it. Drink bottled water. Um, no wonder people there... And it's it, it, it did take off. It's it's. I suppose it's, it's a... Good sign that the solidarity with the place of just 5,000 people, um, that it was the main talking point in social media mm-hmm. last week, at least in the US. Rally people together, yeah. Um, and there was an interesting fuck up. Team Biden initially decided not to invoke nat- natural disaster, which would have uh, unleashed uh, aid, FEMA aid, FEMA support. But apparently they've changed their minds since Trump decided to go visit. I don't know if he's been there yet or if that's to come. Um, they changed their mind when Trump said he was personally going to visit the site. And you know in their minds they're doing the same thing. Oh, Trump has calculated he can win politically from this. Mm-hmm. Indeed, that may be part of Trump's thing. Mm-hmm. But there's more to it than that. When he knows people are hurting, he's gone. It reminds me of Louisiana flooding mm-hmm. during the election 2016. That completely caught them flat-footed because he, he went there on his plane with Trump marked boxes of goods right. yeah, delivered yeah. to homeless people. It's better than nothing like and I well, the moment I saw that everything for me changed. I was like he's gonna win this election. Because Hillary instead tweeted from her apartment, mm. oh poor people in Louisiana. And that's like I thought he, he's winning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and so they they still have that in mind. They still are making domestic political decisions based on how to outmaneuver Trump. Mm-hmm. Even on this what is a, still just a small local issue, even though it has national attention? Yeah, you
0: know? apparently the 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 group, the the individuals uh, involved in testing, or you know, trying to figure out why the train derailed, or is the actual company that owns the uh, the, the trains? Uh, so uh, it's an example of the kind of corporate government, the, the, the blending of Uniquely well, blend, Yeah, exactly. Blending it's of corporations and, and governments, basically. You know what I mean? It's, Where it's official definition of yeah. fascism. The government just hands it off to the corporation because there's no difference.
1: I think part of what's going on is a bit of hysteria on people's part. and But I I don't blame them. Um, what they're seeing is the gradual, it's the effect of living under psychopathy. Yeah. And the effectlessness, the lack of infrastructure. There have been three trained realms of freight cargo like this since then, mm-hmm. and it,
0: a lot happened every year. Apparently, a lot there's happened hundreds. every year, and
1: it's happening more and more. I think there's no clear statistics on it. There is a Wikipedia page. It's very on strange it, that it they list so often them though, the and it is yeah. the, the list goes longer as you get closer to. Yeah. It. We started to notice this um, about twelve years ago. We first started cataloging cataloging them on SOT. So, here's one for example. This is actually from this week nine years ago. Um, Pennsylvania headline: Sixth major train derailment in five weeks. Four thousand gallons of oil spilled in Vandergrift, Pennsylvania, twenty fourteen. Um, I think people are confusing. I think a lot of the, a lot of people are new to this. Mm. They've had their eyes awakened by COVID, right? And they're seeing a, they're seeing patterns, and the patterns run amok, where they see intention where there is none. And they're missing, the, you know, the forest and the trees kind of thing. No, you're waking up in the midst of your society coming off the rails. Right. But if you've been watching this 15 years ago, you'd, like you'd us, you'd seen have seen comment, this yeah. coming, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it is
0: unusual. I mean, I think if you compare other countries like, okay, so America is a bigger, bigger country than most other, um, all other, let's say, Western countries, excluding Russia. Um, But it still doesn't account for the large, you know, shockingly large number of train derailments every year that happen in the US because you don't see, I mean, when was the last time you heard of a of a train derailment in uh, in France or Germany or the UK? It just doesn't happen. Uh, anything close to the number that happens in the because in, in, it would be news in, in, in European countries, but it is there better? Happen. Is there
1: better upkeep?
0: Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. it has to be. That it has to be infrastructure, yeah. you know what I mean? Or just uh, rules, regulations, that kind of stuff, you know? So, yeah, it's not good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what else. Uh, Ukraine, what, what's going on?
1: When, when's Russia going to win, Neil? Well, this is what I was alluding to earlier. I think this week could be um, crunch time. Hmm. Now, I, everyone in this dog is predicting wh- wh- how it will happen. Um, it could be sudden, but it could be slow as well. Why don't we just keep doing what we're doing? and just increase the supply of forces and it'll just gradually change. Mm. Um, Is there any, oh, well, that's another clue to what's coming. Um, And another thing that got me thinking of this particular week, the anniversary of things that Putin seems like he's to make, just some announcement, yeah, Peskov said he's making a big speech on the anniversary of Mm-hmm. Recognition. So that's the 21st. So oh, Tuesday. This Tuesday. He has yeah. something to say about it. So that may be, usually when he does a speech, that's because something has changed or something is about to follow.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of talk, obviously a lot of speculation, and um, we don't really know what's going to happen, but it seems that, um, yeah, with all the talk of... The history around getting tanks to Ukraine and then there not really being any much in the way of tanks that provide Ukraine. Europeans saying that, you know, we don't we're run out of ammunition, run out of supplies to send to Ukraine. Americans saying the same thing. Uh, and Russia having mobilized there several months ago and then being in a position to start a bigger offense. Of course, nobody should expect uh, it's anything dramatic like in the movies or whatever, but, you know, there can be something a bit more dramatic than the slow grind that has been so far, you know, Um whether or not. What will actually result from that? Whether there'll be some, you know, I don't think anybody should expect this. You know, you, should, you can you can have some faith or some trust in the statements of Western politicians that it's going to go on for quite a while longer. Maybe it won't go on for years and years and years, as Stundle, Stoltenberg has said, but because uh, I think he's just he's a buffoon. But um, it, I'd say we're you know we're going to be talking about. What the conflict in Ukraine, uh, at least, you know, for the next several months in in, in a similar way. Although, like you said, I think there is something, some maybe some more dramatic gains will be made by Russia in the next few weeks. And maybe in the next few weeks to a couple of months. Um, And that may change. But at any point, enough gains and enough of the the attrition, sufficient attrition of Ukrainian uh, manpower and supplies. Can actually tip it to the point where it's, you know, there's some, it's definitive in a certain sense, where that that doesn't mean that, you know, Ukraine's going to immediately fly the white flag and Zansi's going to come and uh, uh, ask for terms, you know. Um, but that we'll see some more significant progress than um, has been the case for the past, well, year. Yeah i have to wait and see. It's it's one of those one of those things. Um
1: that kind of war is slow and difficult. Yeah, the Western think tanks are starting to ask is the Ukraine war moving toward a Korea solution? Mm. Yeah. Which by definition means a dividing line, right. DMZ. Yeah. That half's theirs, this half's ours. Right.
0: Maybe. That may actually happen. That's like we're saying earlier on, that's the uh, that's a, there's a lot of precedent for that. You know, East West Germany, North South Korea, many other places. North, South were, Vietnam? Right, many other places uh, yeah, around the world in Africa and Asia that were um, that were that was the solution, you know. And then yeah, you have to wait twenty or thirty years until you get reunification because everything's different now. So uh, yeah, wait and see. But I think I don't know about you, but I'm going to leave it there. And even if you don't agree, I'm going to get up and leave, and you can carry on. Is that okay?
1: No, no, I'm okay. getting out. Of You're here. getting
0: out of here too. Okay. So on that note, then we'll uh, yeah, we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, thanks for chatting. Don't forget to smash all the buttons if you haven't done so already. We'll be back next week with another one. So until then, have a good week and stay safe and all those things. See ya. Thanks for
1: watching. Bye all.
4: Can't stop the signal now.